1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck O'Brien. Ta-da! And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. Josh, will you let me
0: stand next to your fire? Sure. Okay. Come here. Come over here right now. Okay, sorry. Ooh, boy! It's nice and warm over here, isn't it? Yeah. I'm feverish, and <laughs> it's smoky, and I feel like there's chemical reactions taking place before my very eyes. There are. That's why there's fire. <laughs> if fire is
2: nothing, if not a chemical reaction, yeah. I I, I, I got some. Okay. Have you heard of the Weinkoff Hotel? Yeah, but That's for what reason? A bell, born and raised here. Yeah. Uh, the Alice oh, Hotel was that the hotel fire? Yeah. Yeah. You know that it's now the Ellis Hotel. It's yeah. at the corner of Peachtree and Ellis. Yeah. Nice refurbished hotel. Uh, back in 1946, it was called the Winecoff Hotel, and it was the site of the most disastrous, casualty-wise, hotel fire in U.S. history. Yeah. In uh, December 1946, 119 people died. Right here in Atlanta. Yep. Very sad. 44, just under 44 years later, in Las Vegas, Nevada- hmm the MGM Grand had a hotel fire. Oh, yeah? 85 people died. Do you remember the MGM fire? No. MGM Grand fire? Oh, it was a big deal. Not at all. You, you, I'm surprised because I kind of remember like seeing footage of that. When was this? 1980. Oh, no. I don't remember. So both of these fires and all of the loss of life as- associated with them were the direct result of hubris toward fire. The Weinkauf, their fire exits, one stairwell for the whole building- I think it was like 19 stories or something like that. Yeah. Um, the MGM Grand, they they didn't put up like $60,000 for a fire detection system in this one part of
0: the hotel. That would have saved everyone's lives. So part hubris, part uh, financial shenanigans.
2: Right, but isn't that kind of based on hubris? Yeah, I guess so. I, my point is, is that if there's one thing that we shouldn't have hubris towards, it's fire. Agreed. We well, think we might control fire. Thanks to Prometheus being given it by the gods. Yep. But fire controls us when it really comes down to it. That's right. You got to a face off a tete-a-tete with fire, you're going to lose, buddy, because yeah. you're combustible. Yeah. So also we should say here that this fire is um it should be a prequel to the how wildfires work. Yeah. And how um spontaneous, spontaneous human combustion works. Yeah. Those two episodes were great.
0: Agreed. This will f- seal up our triumvirate.
2: <clears throat> now we're going to explain how fire works.
0: Yeah, I do have a couple of quick stats. You're talking about the deadly uh, nature of fire. Yes. Uh, it does kill more people than any other force of nature.
2: I couldn't find that, any source yeah. for that, but I, so I was searching for it and mm-hmm. it brought up like a handful of plagiarized versions of this article on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Those are always fun, uh, especially when it's your own.
2: This one's not mine. This is a uh, Bill Harris, Tom Harris. Tom Harris.
0: Um, but I do have some stats in the U.S. at least uh, in 2010 uh, for residential building fires that uh, over 2,500 people died that year, and that's sort of in the wheelhouse. It fluctuates between uh, 2,200 and about 3,200 a year from building fires. Wow. Uh, cooking is far and away the leading cause of a building fire, and arson is number two. Huh. Which. I would have thought, like, falling asleep with a cigarette would, would be above arson. <laughs> no. Um, and then total in 2009, and I guess this counts like any kind of fire in the U.S., there were close to 3,400 deaths that year. So that, you know,
2: that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, that's more than, um, I'm sure killed by volcanoes in the U.S. every <laughs> year. I think you're right. You know? Yes. That's just one or two people falling into Kilauea from getting too close. <laughs> Have you seen that footage of that scientist going? Um, he's collecting some sort of, I guess, magma uh-uh. from an active volcano in Hawaii, and um, it was really nerve-wracking because he goes up, takes a sample, he's climbing up the rim, uh-huh. and then climbs back down. And right when he steps away from it, the magma comes up over the rim, exactly Holy. where he'd just been climbing. Wow! Like five minutes before,
0: and it so it would have like just just completely disintegrated,
2: in my imagine. Man, what did he say? I don't know. Was he like, holy crap! Did you see that? <laughs> well, the guy who was filming it was like narrating, like, "Hurry up, get out oh, of wow. there! This is so stupid." And Jeez. Yeah, it's very cool. I don't know what you'd search, but it's up there on the internet somewhere. Search "whoponywoo," and that should do it. So, uh Chuck, the Greeks thought that fire was one of the four elements: earth, wire, water, wind, and fire. Earth, so, wind, and fire, so and water, and Nash. And young. Right. Silly Greeks. Uh, the reason why that doesn't really hold up is because um, earth, fire, air, these are elements. Yeah. Uh, they're matter. Yeah. They're made up of atoms. Fire is the physical manifestation of matter changing form. Yeah. It's
0: pretty cool. Yeah. Like when you think of it that way. And We're going to describe how this happens. All right. I can tackle some of this. <laughs> Chemistry is not my forte, but it is a chemical reaction at its core uh between oxygen and um fuel which uh l- I mean we'll probably let's talk about like a campfire. Yeah, let's go with wood. A wood fire is probably the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. Um, but the wood is the fuel. The wood is the fuel. Oxygen's found in the air. That's right. But for these things to uh make fire, mm-hmm. you got to have something called combustion. Yeah. And which means you're going to have have some sort of a spark. Um well, actually, not always, because as we find out, some things can combust without a spark
1: if
0: Yeah, they get, if they get hot enough.
2: Like the heat is just so intense yeah. that it doesn't need any spark, right?
0: Yeah, but uh, for wood, you have to get it up to um, uh, its ignition temperature, which is about 300 degrees Fahrenheit. 150 degrees Celsius. Yeah, uh, which uh, is where you're going to start seeing some smoke, because that is cellulose burning away. Uh, and it just occurred to me reading this today, like... Where there's smoke, there's fire. Not true. Yeah. Because things can smoke without there being a fire. Yeah. Actually, a byproduct of fire you know, um, doesn't smoke. So I guess in order to... If you're one of the people that now says bottom of the totem pole, or instead of top of the totem pole... Yeah, yeah. Then we can uh, further reinforce this obnoxious quality by encouraging <laughs> you to say where there's smoke... There is ignition uh, temperature of a combustible fuel.
2: There's volatile gases. It's <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. Way to go, Chuck. All right, thanks. So, yeah, heat is heat decomposes fuel, or we'll just say wood. And in the case of wood specifically, it decomposes the um, volatile gases contained in the solid matter, right? So these volatile gases start to heat up themselves, and while they're doing that, the cellulose, the solid stuff,
0: is decomposing and turning into what's called char. Yeah. I got a little thing on cellu- cell- uh, cellulose real quick. Let's it. And then you can just take it home. No, man. Cause that's where I get confused. I'm confused too. <laughs> cellulose, about 40%, per- uh, 50% of what is cellulose. And that's what, like, uh, that's where you make paper. That's what you make paper from. That's what you make cellulose like ethanol from too. And it's what you make cellophane out of. Oh, did I you didn't know that? that. No. Cellophane is regenerated cellulose. So it's, it's like, it looks like plastic, but it's not. I had no idea. It is a man-made, I'm sorry, it's a natural polymer. Plastic is man-made, obviously. Right. So cellophane is nothing more than uh, regenerated uh, paper, in a way. Wow. Like, they add some other stuff to it, but that's why it's biodegradable. And I always wonder why, like, supposedly cellophane is uh, biodegradable. I was like, that's impossible. It's plastic. Huh. But it's not plastic. I, I, there's this old cellophane ad from, like, the 50s, maybe?
2: And it's like good things come in twos, and it's like this this pair of twins wrapped in cellophane. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like kind of looking around. But um, wow, yeah, you can imagine they only have them like, in there for a few seconds before <laughs> they snap the picture for. Awesome! Them. I did not know that about cellophane. Just back a to the tidbit. Back to the podcast, right there. No, I don't know about that. Hats off to you. All right, back to Char- oh no, I
0: know what the fact of the podcast is. You're gonna save it for when it comes. We gotta save it. Okay.
2: All right, game off. Of wood, yeah, separating now from the volatile um, gases yes. that are starting to lift off that's smoke, right? Yes okay the the wood, the solid matter is starting to turn into char um, and that is basically if you if you burn wood, if you heat it up and you separate the gases, which mm-hmm. are the smoke, what remains is carbon. yes. and what what charcoal is is charred wood that's had the volatile gases burned out of it, which is why when you have a charcoal fire, you don't have smoke.
0: Yeah, or not much at least. Yeah, because yeah. the gases have already been burned off. Yeah, and charcoal too, that got, that kind of got me on, um, charcoal filtering, uh-huh. because they use charcoal as a filter, and I think they use it as a scrubber too on smokestacks, uh-huh. don't they? And, uh, if you're, like, I did some of those survival articles at one point, and one of the things you can do, to purify water is take your char from your fire, put it in like uh, you know, cool it down obviously, and cool then put it in, <laughs> then put it in like a hanky, and then running uh, creek water through that to collect it underneath. That's awesome. And uh, and there's like real charcoal filters too, but uh, apparently charcoal has a quality because once it's pure carbon like that, it um, has a knack for filtering out things like. Uh, impurities like chlorine mm-hmm. and letting other stuff get through. Huh. So that's why it's used uh, as a filter.
2: Yeah, because essentially what you're making is a carbon filter. Yeah. Charcoal is like basically pure carbon with all the impurities burned off. Yeah. Those impurities burned off as smoke. They're volatile gases. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. little survival tip. Man, you are killing it today.
0: Well, now this is when I go to sleep though.
2: Okay, so um, the third component of burned wood You've got the volatile gases, of smoke. You have the char, the charcoal. Yeah. Uh, which is carbon. And then you have ash, which is unburnable minerals like, um, calcium. Yeah.
0: Or phosphorus, I believe. Yeah. And if you like, you ever Cassium. cook with briquettes, charcoal briquettes, uh-huh. you're going to get a lot more ash with that because it has a lot of more like byproducts in it than if you use like real wood, charcoal. Right. But
2: they're not going to smoke. They're just not going to burn. Yeah. It's just
0: going to be left over. Like you can't get rid
2: of it. You can pound it into oblivion, but it's still there.
0: Yeah, but if you use the real wood coal, then uh, char, then you'll notice you don't get a lot of that stuff.
2: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, okay. But so, briquettes wait, aren't as talking, nasty. Are those synthetic briquettes?
0: No, they're made from char and like uh, binding agents and stuff like that and, and sawdust. And No, I actually used to hear that, like, oh, you can't cook with briquettes. They're so nasty. But they're really – I looked into it. It's not super nasty. Okay. I mean, you probably should cook with
2: <laughs> – Somewhere in between nasty and super nasty? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's not – it's not – as bad as I thought. I thought it was like a bunch of chemical agents and glue and cement and right. that's not the case. I got you. Yeah. It's
2: not the hot dogs of cooking materials. No, it's the corn dog. Okay. Um, okay. So we've got the components, right? Yeah. Um, as these uh, volatile um, gases continue to heat up mm-hmm. um, to about 500 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. 260 degrees Celsius. They, um, the, the molecules... Break apart. And when they break apart, they uh, go to combine with oxygen, Yeah, oxidation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the same thing happens with the carbon in the wood, but this takes pace, place much more slowly. Yeah. But one of the, the stars of this uh, chemical reaction, this change of breaking down of these molecules and then the recombining into other things like carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, water. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird that fire produces water? I know. Um, that's why sometimes you have steam coming from a fire, right? Yeah? Um, the star of all these chemical reactions, all these chemical reactions, is heat
0: is produced. Heat energy is released, which allows us to cook and be comfortable and feel secure and all the good stuff that comes with fire Exactly. And because of the
2: heat that's released as these things are heated up, um, it is sustainable. That means a fire is sustainable so long as there's fuel and there's oxygen present.
0: Yeah, that was the kind of creepy part. Or not creepy, but it's self-perpetuating. Like that flame is going to heat up any fuel near it to the point where it can release those gases uh, to recombine with oxygen.
2: It's pretty elegant if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, Another big uh, star of fire besides heat is light. And part of that is from the same – the carbon atoms, right? Yeah. That are combining – that are being torn apart – the molecules that um, form up the char, right. breaking down in their constituent carbon atoms, Yes, when they combine with oxygen, right? Recombine. Yeah. yeah. I think that would make carbon monoxide. But as they change, um, th- they their electrons will go up an energy level, will change orbit. And when they come back down, they emit, they release some of that energy that they have. And they release it in the form of photons. they produce light right um, and incandescence they, th- right yeah it's it's heat producing light like we talked about bioluminescence uh-huh. uh, where basically you heat up a filament in a light bulb and right. it glows that's the same thing with the fire it's the same based on the same principle which is incandescence pretty awesome and depending on the uh, temperature uh, different colored light is going to be produced
0: yeah like uh, you remember the the Bunsen burners back in chemistry class yeah And how the Bunsen burners have little slots on the side that you can vary the amount of like oxygen getting in there. Uh You know, there's the little flickering orange flame of a Bunsen burner. Then if you let a lot more oxygen in, it's gonna be more uh it's gonna be more hot. (laughs) And that's why that's when it's gonna be that Uh blue jet. Uh the same as when you see like a jet plane, like right next to where the flame comes out, it's Uh gonna be like really blue and then it gets more orange and yellow, you know, like the Batmobile. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I I know exactly the original saying. Batmobile. No,
2: um, we've seen a bunch of Batmobiles recently. Yeah, there's a documentary about the Batmobile. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that's well, what I've all those it. were there for at Comic Con. Ah, okay. We had a you mean I had our picture taken with it? With which one? The new one.
0: Uh, the the tumbler. That's what they call the new one. Is it? Yeah, the Chris Nolan one is called the tumbler. Yes, the
2: Chris Nolan one. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, the um the reason why the blue one happens to be a different color and hotter is because there's more energy being released. That's right. Uh, the lower energy and slightly less hot part of the flame that glows orange-yellow uh, is at the top. And um, the reason a flame is pointed... This is, is pretty, cool. This is pretty awesome. Not the fact of the podcast? The space part is. Oh, okay. I think. All right, go ahead then. So a flame is pointed and it burns upward because the the... Gases that are burning, what you're burning right there are volatile gases. Yeah. They're being burned off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as they, as they burn, they're, they're hotter, but they're also less dense. And they're moving upward toward the less dense air yeah. above it, which causes it to be pointed. But if you were to you, light. You take it for granted, yeah. but it's kind of cool to know how that works. Yeah. That's why it always burns upward. Yeah. It tends to burn upward.
0: No, it always does.
2: Always burns upward. Yeah. And that's also why it's pointed, too, because the air around it is dense and it's pushing it in. Yeah. Right? Pretty awesome. But if you were to light a fire in zero gravity, it would
0: burn as a sphere. I want to see this. I do, too. I mean, can it be done? If we go into zero gravity, sure. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they have zero gravity environments. It's, do um, they attack? Surely someone has started a fire in one of those just to see this. <laughs> I think it's a really bad thing if <laughs> a fire starts in a zero gravity environment. I guess so. That's, I, I just gotta think that someone's tried this. I'm sure.
2: I'm sure there's video of it on YouTube.
0: No, there's probably a good reason why, and someone's gonna write and say, you dummies, don't you understand that when you start a fire in zero gravity that... We all die? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so, steam. Let's talk about steam, cause, cause we, we talked about the recombination of atoms when these gases are released. Same thing happens when you boil water. You know, you get this, this gas mixing with oxygen in the air, but it's not gonna combust. thankfully, (laughs) or uh, cooking would be much more dangerous. (laughs) Um, It's because some of these uh, atoms aren't as attracted to each other, in the case of water, for sure.
2: Right. They're tepid toward one another. Yeah.
0: If you're talking fire, though, they have uh, carbon and hydrogen, which are really attracted to oxygen, and so they like to get together and uh, combine, recombine more easily. Right. Pretty simple.
2: Uh, And then we've been talking mostly about wood, as a fuel, but tons of things are, are fuel. Gasoline's a good fuel. Mm-hmm. Gasoline doesn't um, produce char. Basically, heat vaporizes gasoline into
0: nothing but volatile gases, which burn. Yeah. So there you go. And I always heard too that gasoline ignites like the vapor ignites, right? Not the liquid. Is that true?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not the it's not the liquid. It's the gas. Right. But heat causes all that liquid to turn into the gas. Right. Which pff, goes kaboom. Um, so different fuels are going to catch at different temperatures. And no matter what the fuel, it'll have a uh, piloted ignition temperature and an unpiloted ignition temperature. Yeah. Basically, the piloted ignition temperature is that, um, that point, that temperature where the volatile gases are being released. Mm-hmm. And they're heated up to the point where if you introduce a spark, it would blow up. That's right. One of the defining characteristics of a volatile gas is that um, it it basically disperses at room temperature, I believe, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so at some point, I- I- introducing a spark is going to set that off at some temperature. Right. Which I guess means that like, if you have gasoline cooled to enough of a temperature, just lighting a match next to it won't set off the gas. Hmm. I don't uh, know if this is a question we should be raising I'm to like seriously. a general audience. Don't try this. I'm curious, so we'll have to check that out. Yeah. But the unpiloted ignition temperature is basically when something gets hit by lightning and the heat is so intense that there's no need for a spark. It just heats it up to the point where now it's on fire, where it combusts. Yeah, right.
0: Pretty cool. Yeah. And I try to get to the origin of pilot, like a pilot light, <clears throat> which is the same thing, I guess. Right. And I, c- I couldn't find it. I don't know where that came from.
2: Because, yeah, think about it. You've got the gas burning and uh, the, it's glowing. Yeah. And then you just hit the spark and then bam, you just ignited the gas. So it's That's at right. the pilot, the piloted ignition temperature in your hot water heater. But I'm sure someone knows the answer to that. So if you do send it in. All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go.
1: In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're raising a lot of questions in this
0: one. <laughs> and giving some answers.
2: Um, the uh, shape... And by shape, usually they mean like surface area. Yeah. Of a um, of a fuel affects how um, efficiently it burns and how easily it burns too.
0: Yeah, I mean this is pretty basic. Like if you have know. a big thick log, obviously you're going to have way less surface area exposed. Yeah. And combustible than if you had like a toothpick.
2: Yeah, and it can absorb a lot more heat too. Yeah. a Big thick log. Um, but yeah, if you have a bunch of little pieces of wood it's going to burn more quickly and catch more easily yeah, because there's more exposed surface surface temperature and more of that fuel is is exposed to the heat than a big, like you said, a big log or something.
0: Yeah, and that's why when you're starting, you know, if you ever watched a Bear Grylls do his thing or or Les Stroud, Mm -hmm. they try to get the little, like, tiny little shavings from the inside of, uh, uh, like, you peel away the bark on a tree and then get the shavings off of the tree itself. Right. And that's the stuff that's going to, like, really combust easily through friction. With like, uh, you know, there's different ways of doing the little.
2: I've never been. I've friction. never done that. Have you? Have you started a fire using like friction? Yeah.
0: Have you really? Yeah, that's impressive. I do that stuff when I go camping now for fun. Like, oh yeah, in front of the real fire, you know, that we started mm. with our big lighters. Gotcha. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my beer and my Southern Comfort and my comfy chair. Right. And the steak is on the grill. I'll uh, I'll do some little survival stuff just kind of for fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's cool. Until I get tired of it and give up. Yeah, but yeah, it's fun.
2: Um, wow! Well, hats off to you for knowing how to do that.
0: Well, it's pretty easy. I mean, there's different ways. There's the plow method or the the little bow uh, where you make the little stringed bow. Yeah. And do that little number. Yeah? yeah. I've
2: seen that one. Yeah. There's the castaway one.
0: Yeah, that's the plow method. Oh, that's plow. Yeah.
2: That makes sense. They'd be called that. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Do you think? Do you feel like we explained this correctly? And well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty basic chemistry, or
2: basically heat breaks down a fuel, mm-hmm. so that it can combine with oxygen, yeah, and ignite, yeah, and then burn. That's right. And it's
0: self-sustaining so long as there's fuel and oxygen. And then all you need is a bearskin rug, and some Cinemax, <laughs> and you're all set for Friday night. Awesome. Yes.
2: Uh, if you want to know more about fire, you can type "fire" into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And that will bring up this article and plenty of other stuff, too. Um, Maybe even some survival stuff by one Charles W. Bryant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said search bar, so it's time for listener mail. Uh, Chuck. Yes. We should tell everybody about something very special and dear to our hearts. New York City.
0: That's right. We are going to Comic-Con, and we will be doing a live podcast on Friday, October 12th. Yeah. At Comic-Con, at the Javits Center. That's like our new thing. We did San Diego, now we're doing New York. That's right. Next up, Albuquerque. So if you are going to Comic-Con, you should come by and see that. But after Comic-Con, we have one of our famous, famous to us, (laughs) All-Star Trivia Nights. Right. Um, Where is it going to be? The cutting room? It is at the... Grand reopening of the cutting room in uh, the Flatiron District, which yeah. is what's the address? It is uh, 44
2: East 32nd Street in New York, and uh, it, it's in the Flatiron. You said. Yep,
0: awesome. and uh, doors open at 7:30. Trivia goes down at 8:30. And what is first come first serve, right? Free, 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 first come first serve. We will have a bar there that you can buy drinks. Yeah, you and can buy us drinks. That's right. That We're going to
2: basically be having a really good time. If you if you're not familiar with our trivia nights, like. Just come out and check it out. It'll be worth your while.
0: Absolutely. And uh, stay tuned for info on Facebook and Twitter about the uh, makeup of the All-Star team. We are filling that out as we speak. But we will have some special guests that you will want to meet.
2: Yeah, and at the very least, you can come take on me and Chuck, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: It's just fun. So what is that? That's Friday, October 12th, right?
0: Yep. Uh, The panel's at uh, when? Uh, The panel is at, I believe, 645.
2: Okay, and then uh, we're going to be at the cutting room starting at 830
0: trivia starts at 8.30 doors at 7.30 be there or be square you are good at this thank you
2: alright is it time for listener mail
0: yep uh, I'm going to call this email bad to the bone so uh, Jocelyn Stone here in Victoria BC Canada uh-huh. apparently hates bad to the bone just as much as I do <laughs> so we are we are friends in that way uh, <laughs> she says a few years ago my partner Tim uh, discovered that he could set anything on his uh, heart desired on his alarm clock for his cell phone. He searched for the perfect song and decided on Bad to the Plum. Tim believed that in order to slowly get himself ready for the day, he needed alarms at 5 a.m., 5.30, and 6. I hate that stuff. Uh, I, on the other hand, wake up without an alarm at 6.30 without fail, which is what I do. All right. Um, Every morning, I was shocked by the full volume. (laughs) That's (laughs) a way to wake up right there. I would blast up to a sitting position in bed, my heart exploding out of my chest. And look next to me at Tim, who was sleeping through the whole event. <laughs> I would punch him, get up, turn off the alarm myself, and then repeat this two more times.
2: What kind of business partners are these? I
0: don't think they're business partners. That was like in American Beauty. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'd like you to meet my partner. He's like, oh, what line of work are you guys <laughs> <That's> in? <right. laughs> that was a quantum leap
2: meeting Lone Star, huh? Wow.
0: Yeah. Look at you. Um, for some reason, no matter how much I begged him, he wouldn't change a song. Or let me turn down the volume. If I secretly changed it before bed, he would change it back. If I tried to turn it off and hide his phone, he would find it and turn it back again. If I turned the volume down while he was sleeping, his spidey sense would start tingling, and he'd wake up and turn it back on. It turned into a game that lasted a full year, finally ending when I told him the sliver of amusement I found in the game was gone, and I would throw his phone into the ocean if he didn't change it. So, eventually she just had enough. Yeah. She's like, this isn't fun anymore. Uh, we ended up buying an alarm clock radio, which he also sleeps through. Now, thanks to Tim, every time you hear Bad to the Bone in public, I immediately leave the area, lest I explode in a muddy, scalding, rock-throwing rage, like the Wamangu geyser.
2: Wow. Nice reference. Yeah. So,
0: then she said, P.S., do a podcast on accordions. <laughs> 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 After all that. Jeez. Who's that? Jocelyn. Thank you, Jocelyn. From Victoria, She's B.C. Up. Canada. Thank you. And Tim? Tim.
2: Good luck, Tim. And Jocelyn, I hope you guys find a uh, song you
0: can both agree on. Agreed. And Tim, just get up, dude.
2: Except for some people, it's hard.
0: Ugh. I, n- people I never understood w- the snooze, because wouldn't you rather just sleep that time? No, I'm with you, but I'm saying, like... Instead of being woken up every 10 minutes? It's not that easy to just wake right up. I, know. I need Bright-eyed
2: me. and bushy-tailed.
0: I need to accept others,
2: as they are. Uh, let's see. What, we, uh, what do we want?
0: Um... Jeez. i don't know <laughs> uh,
2: i don't know either we'll have to figure it out yeah um yeah send us anything i guess this is the it's a generic call out you can uh, send us anything uh via twitter at sysk podcast you can join us on facebook.com slash stuff you should know and send us an email containing anything and if you send us an email it just says anything like you'll be one of five thousand people that do that so just stop yeah <laughs> Um, you can send that email that doesn't just say anything to stuffpodcast@discovery.com. at discovery.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
0: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work, but with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull.